Well, hey everybody, uh, so glad you're here with us today. My name's Jeff, if you've never met me before, I'm our campus pastor at our brand new plant in Ocala, and today is a really cool day uh, because this afternoon at five o'clock, this is February the 21st, we're holding our very first preview worship service. So hey, if you're in Marion County and wanna come hang out with us, we'd love for you to do that. Uh, And uh, we'll drop the uh, address in the chat or you can go check out our website, find all that kind of stuff. But five o'clock, February the 21st, history for the Orchard Community Church, our very first preview worship service in Marion County. Well, today we're in week two of our Grounded series. I'm really excited to be able to share with you today. I was thinking about the message, and one of the first thoughts I had was of uh, my wife's grandmother, Miss Lottie. Now you say, why is that? Well, uh, Miss Lottie was one of those people who could grow anything. She loved flowers and plants. In fact, if you went to the dictionary and looked up the word green thumb or the phrase green thumb, there'd probably be a picture of Miss Lottie. And the really cool thing, I guess, for me, maybe, I don't know, is my wife seems to have inherited that kind of green thumb. She loves all things plants and flowers. She's one of those people that uh, if you're walking around, you know, at Lowe's or Walmart somewhere in the uh, the nursery area, she can name the flowers. She can tell you where the plants are. And and then not just that, like they all look the same to me, but for her, she can say, well, this is this type or this type. And then she can even go farther because of time spent with her grandmother and just this kind of innate ability. She can tell you where they're going to grow best, how they're going to grow best, what they need to grow best, all that kind of information. And while that's not my thing, it is her thing. And if you came to our house, you would find that our backyard kind of looks like a nursery. There's flowers and plants of all kinds. I don't know what they all are. She does. And I know this, that if I put them in the wrong spot or I go out to do something, I say, well, I'll just water our plants for us. No, no, no. They got watered this day, not this day, that kind of thing. She knows all of that. I've often thought that if she goes away on a weekend trip, I can make some quick cash because we've got that kind of nursery growing in our backyard. I could just start selling it out. And listen, maybe plants aren't your thing either, but you gotta have mad respect for people who can kind of do that kind of stuff and know that kind of stuff about plants. You say, Jeff, okay, I get that. Why are we talking about this? Well, as I was thinking about today's message, I was out on the internet doing some research and I came across this really kind of crazy article all the way back from May 2013 published in National Geographic. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read the entire article to you, but it really got me thinking about kind of our conversation today. So much the fact that I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna put the title of the article up on the screen here for you because it's just kind of wild. And here it is, plants listen to the good vibes of other plants. Now, already you're thinking, what in the world? Well, let me make it even more crazy for you. Put the subtitle up. When basil speaks, chilies listen. That paused me right in my tracks. I stopped and said, okay, I have no idea what this is. It may have nothing to do with what we're about to talk about, but I gotta read this article. And so I did, and I wanna read a little bit of that to you today because I think it's gonna lay get ready, the ground for our Grounded series week two, all right? So check this out. Listen to this. Uh, It says this. This is the beginning of the article. Plants, now again, this is research at a university, so there's lots of might be's and maybes, all right? So just think through this. Plants might be able to eavesdrop on their neighbors and use the sounds they hear to guide their own growth, according to a new study that suggests plants are acoustic signaling signaling to communicate with one another. Might be. 
already, right? But really, I'm, I'm in now because I'm thinking, how do they know this stuff? It goes on and starts quoting from one of the leaders of this group. She says, we have shown that plants can recognize when a good neighbor is growing next to them, said study co-author Monica Gagliano. And now she's an evolutionary ecologist at the University of Western Australia. She goes on to say this, we're proposing that this communication may be best uh, based upon an acoustic exchange. Some of you are thinking, you've lost it, right? You're, you're telling me that these plants are talking to each other and communicating and all this stuff. How do they know that? I don't know. But before you shut me out, there's one more thought from this study that I think is gonna really help launch us into our conversation today, and this is it. In the new study, Gagliano and her colleague, Michael Renton, showed, listen to this, that chili plants sprouted faster and were healthier compared with those grown in isolation when they were grown next to good neighbors, such as basil, that help inhibit weed growth and pest. All right, so lots of wild speculation. You know, you, you go out to the backyard, you hear plants whispering to each other. I don't know about all that. I don't get all that. I know people have talked about talking to your plants and communicating to them and it helps them and all that. But I was fascinated when I read this article with words like this, because this is really what we've been talking about. She, as they were talking, she used words like good neighbors. That's a wild thought, right? That you can put certain plants together and they're good neighbors and they're gonna help each other. And then she used words like this, that they were communication that brought about growth or that they grow better together instead of being isolated. I mean, that's really the heart of what we've been talking about, right? This idea that there's something about being together. So even though this research leaves all kinds of crazy, wild speculation, we began a conversation last week that really kind of gives us some ideas that we really do need each other and that we really do grow better together. In fact, our big idea that we started with, we're gonna just carry right into this week, and that's this, relationships are the ground we grow in that these relationships are important enough that if we're gonna grow, and we're gonna talk about what kind of growth we're talking about in just a second, but if we're gonna grow, that relationships are the ground, the fertile ground that we need to begin that growth in. I don't think it's too far-fetched either. Can we just be kind of out there for a second? I don't think it's too far-fetched that God would show humans like us from the created world around us some truths that maybe help us see that we weren't created to be alone, that relationships are important, and that when we aren't isolated, but we are around good neighbors, when we're around places where we can grow, we will grow better. Now, how does that work? And where do we see that at? Well, thankfully, we don't have to put a couple of our houseplants together and watch and say, let me observe and learn some things. We have God's word to teach us. We have God's word to, to give us this insight. And today, I want us to look at some verses that I think are gonna give us some how-tos so that the ground we're growing in and the people we're growing around, the relationships around us are the things that are gonna promote the right kind of growth. Now, again, I said we were gonna talk about what kind of growth. We're not just talking about wisdom. We're not just talking about how we navigate this world. We're really talking about spiritual growth here, growing up into Jesus, becoming more like him, having our faith and the understanding of our faith in Christ 
grow and how that happens when we're connected to other people. We're gonna find these verses today in the book of Hebrews. And I wanna say this up front because this may not be a book that you spend a lot of time in because to be honest, there's a lot of deep stuff in Hebrews. It's a letter in the New Testament. We don't know who the writer is, but man, he really dove deep into some theology. And in the opening chapters of Hebrews, we find some really complicated theology to sort through. In fact, a lot of people debate, what does he mean by this? Or how does this play out? Or what does this mean for us? I think of the heart of what the writer was doing though is extremely important for us as followers of Jesus because what he wanted them to get was this. Jesus was exactly who he claimed to be, did what he claimed to do and accomplished a mission so that he was who he said he was. And as he lays that out, the argument from Old Testament and, and, and and Judaism, a lot of other things, he gives us a clear picture that Jesus is who we need to have a relationship with. And before he finishes his writing, before he completes the, 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 the letter or the book that he writes to the church, he gets really, really practical. And he takes all that theology and all those things about our relationship and how we relate to Jesus. And he says, now this is what we need to boil this down to. And this is how we begin to relate to one another. So let's look at, I'm going to read the entirety of those verses, and then we're just going to take some time to just kind of dig into that today. So read with me. We're in chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews, and we're going to start in verse 19. Now, maybe you've heard these verses before, and you've wondered, how do we apply these, or how do they really work in our life? I hope today we're going to accomplish that by looking at these things. So read with me today. Uh, Hebrews 10, verse 19, it says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Verse 21, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, since all of that, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching." Now, let's be really, really clear here. There's a lot of good stuff here. And we don't have time to just dissect each and every verse, but I think we can pull from that some really important things that will help us begin to understand of how we need to relate to each other and why relationships are so important and how, kind of like the plants, when you surround yourself with these good relationships and in these good environments, you're gonna grow spiritually. You're gonna find yourself moving in that relationship with Jesus in some forward ways that are going to help you, not only personally, but in the world around you. So what I want to do is I want to go kind of right in the heart of this and start in verse 22 and find in the verses that follow, verses 22 and following, three exhortations that I think we need to get. 
And the key here is, is we need to go back and just think about how they were written in the original language. In the original language, which is Greek, we find that they were written in present tense, which means this, they were to continually express these three things. This wasn't something that they were just going to do and, and, and check the box, you know, I've done this and move on. But this was to continually be worked out in their life. They were continually to do these things. And the three things are very simply this. They were continually to express faith, continually to express hope, and continually to express love. Those were to be fleshed out in their life on a daily basis, on a continual basis. You say, well, how did that work? Well, let me just go for a second here and kind of break those apart because here's the incredible thing. These, those three things, faith, hope, and love, were to be expressed continually, not in isolation, not by themselves, but he tells us in these verses that those three things were to be expressed continually in relationships, in, if you will, community. And that's where it can get complicated because we can say, oh yeah, I can express love all day long toward God, but do you know so-and-so? I'm not sure how I'm supposed to express love there. Or yeah, I have faith in God and what he can do, but man, the system around me, the world, the culture around me, it's just, I have no faith that anything good's coming out of that. Or you may even be one of those people who looks at the world around you and says, I'll give my hope, I'll express hope to God, but I'm not sure how I can express hope in what I'm seeing here. And what the writer here is telling us is that we have to continually express those things in relationships, in community. And he's going to define that for us before he finishes this section. So let me just real quickly touch those verses again and show you why we know this is about relationships, why we know this is about not being isolated, but in community with other people. Verse 22 again says this, let us draw near, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. What is he saying here? We have to draw near together with other believers and walk in faith. We can't do that alone. We need to be surrounded by other believers so that we can draw near in that expression of faith and keep our faith moving forward. Verse 23, he goes on to say, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. So yes, our hope is grounded in Jesus, but we find that hope maturing and growing and prospering in our life when we connect with other people who share that hope with us. So he says, we have to keep holding on. We can't let up hope. We can't lose hope, even in the face of all the traumatic things that we may be facing in life or in the world around us. And then in verse 24, he reminds us again, let us watch out for, here it is, for one another to provoke love and good works. And so he reminds us here that we don't do this alone, that we are kind of responsible for those around us who are continually expressing faith and continually expressing hope. That if we're going to continue to do that, that we do that by loving other people who are trying to move forward and find life in Christ in this community together, provoking one another with love to good works. Now that seems really like, uh, okay, I, I can check those boxes, but the relationship side sometimes complicates that, doesn't it? 
I mean, the truth of the matter is that there are people who have been hurt or are or, or, or outcast in some way or disconnected in some way to other believers. And, and even now we're living in this world where many of us have felt loneliness and isolation through social distancing and, and uh, all the things that have come through these last m- months, almost a year now of our world. So how do we do that? Well, I want to dig just a little deeper into verse 24 and 25, to take this idea that if we are people of faith and if we are holding on to this hope in Christ, that how we love and how we connect in these relationships becomes extremely vital if we're really going to grow and be grounded. And and we find this in some of the phrases that he uses here, and those clues begin to help us see how we're going to accomplish this. So let's go back now and look again at verse 24. And he says to us, let us remember, do not do this alone. Watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. That's an interesting word, provoke. It's a word that typically is used in a very negative sense. You know, like provoking someone to what we would say is anger. What do you mean provoke someone to love? How do you turn that around? The word could mean things like stirred up or, or, or exasperate someone? How do you get someone to be stirred up or to to provoke towards love? And I think that is where we begin to see just how important community and relationships are, because here's the truth. And I think we need to get this. It is impossible to love in isolation. When we begin to express Christ-like love to other people, it has to be just that, to other people. People need to see that flowing out of us and into us. They need to see those expressions of how we love. And it reminds us that that happens in community and we need each other to really be able to express love. So we provoke them with love to good works so that we're spurring them on in their service and in their worship and in our relationships with each other. And and we get that idea today of why we need uh, others in our life, why they, why they help us stir that up, why, why, why we need them to show and express love in such uh, tangible ways and, and maybe even intangible ways. So he starts off by reminding us, love, provoke love. And then he tells us that there is this need for us to gather together. Look, look at this verse in verse 25. He says, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, th- this may be one of the, out of all these verses in this section, this may be a verse you've heard. If you've grown up in church, if you've been in church, I'm sure there's a pastor that has looked at this when low attendance has happened or something else and said, hey, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You should come to church. He's not wrong. We should come to church. But what is he really driving at here? What is he really talking about? And I love some of the things that we were able to flesh out in our communicators this meeting, uh, this week in our communicators meeting that really help kind of give some, 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 some practical ways of why relationships are the ground we grow in. And that happens when we gather together. There's a, a really interesting word that we uh, looked at this week. It's a Greek word. And, and I'm usually not the guy who's ever going to give you a Greek word in a, in a message, but uh, it's, it's a pretty straightforward and I can pronounce it without butchering it. So I'm going to give it to you and it's epi synagogue. You say, is that the right pronunciation? 
works for me? Does it work for you? We'll go on with it. Epi-synagogue. And literally what it means, epi means in addition to, and synagogue, of course, was a place of worship. And, and, and the idea we think in the use of this word, uh, this idea of gathering together was the idea that, yeah, if you're going to be a part of worship at the synagogue, you also, in addition to that, have these opportunities to gather in a Christian community and probably in that day in, in churches that met in homes. And, and, and there seems to be this suggestion that maybe some of the Christians were saying, well, I've been here. I'm not going to do this. And he's saying, don't forsake those. Don't miss out on those. Gather together, get together. One of our core values that we talk about at the orchard is that if all you see is Sunday, you're missing out. Uh, You're missing stuff because if all you do is come and sit in one of our worship experiences, you're missing out on so many other ways to get connected and find community at the Orchard Community Church. There's so many different things you can do. Yeah, we could talk about small groups, but then there's places to serve and other things that we do on a weekly basis that would give you that opportunity to gather together and to find community and be a part of that. And so I think it's important for us to really think about this in our own life because there are some people, if we're being honest, who have looked at the church or Christian gatherings and said, not for me. Something happened there. Something took place there that left them disillusioned or hurt. I see it all the time. People post stuff on social media about walking away from or why I don't do. And and it's always about something that failed in a relationship. And here's the truth. The church isn't perfect. There's no perfect church anywhere. But the church is essential. The church is vital to us if we're going to spiritually grow. We need the body of Christ, the church, gathered together, and we need to be a part of it. And I would say this, if there really is genuine faith in your life that's grounded in Christ, it's going to be hard for you to stay away from that. There's going to be a pull and a tug that you're going to realize, man, the church is just that essential. If you say, I don't need the church, I don't need to be around other believers, other believers have disappointed me or or frustrated me or angered me, you might want to check the, the ground that you're really growing in. Because we read over and over again verses like verse 25 that remind us how important it is for us to be together. And I don't want you to miss this last one because the very last one is still found in verse 25 and it's this, we need to encourage one another. He says, as we see the day approaching, as things seem to be getting worse, encourage one another. Here's the truth. We need others so we can keep going on and we really need others when things are getting harder. As in our communicators meeting on Tuesday, Pastor Chip made this statement and it really struck me because this is, I've seen this over and over and over again in all the years, and I won't tell you how many years that is, all the years of ministry that I've been in. And he said this, he said, the irony is we need to be here most when we feel like being here least. And I've seen that to be true. People go into a really tough time, something's going on in their life, whether it's personal or something else, but it's just really had an adverse effect on them. One of the first things that many people seem to do is walk away from church. They don't, they don't lean in. They don't press in. They don't come. They, they isolate themselves. And, and that's ironic because that's the place where we should be getting the most encouragement. That's the place where we should find ourselves being filled the most with encouragement and love and all the things that we've been talking about today. 
And so we have to provoke others to love and we can't forsake or miss out on gathering together and we must keep encouraging people. Well, how do we do that? How is that possible? If, if you've ever been hurt in the church or you've ever walked away or you've ever wondered, I'm not sure how to get connected, how is all that possible? And I wanna just take one quick second to back us all the way back up to where we started in these verses, verse 19. And I wanna just read them again to you. And without making a lot of statements, I wanna kind of bottom line where all this works at, how all this works rather. How do we, how do we find ourselves expressing continually you know, the faith, hope, and love idea, and then that love being something that we are provoking one another to, gathered together, and encouraging another in, in that, that, that time of being together. How do we do that? So, so let's look back and start in verse 19, and just let me read these verses to you. And this is what he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters... There's a first clue right there. He's talking about family connections. He's using very familiar terms to us and that there's a connection to us and in us. So he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated us for a new and living way through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, that's where we slip back into verse 22. Let us then let me bottom line it. How does that work? Simply put, we must see our relationship with others as grounded first in our relationship to God through Christ. Can I make it maybe a little clearer than that for you today? It's our, it's our takeaway. And that's this, we need others. Isn't that a great statement? We need others. Wouldn't it be great if that was just true and we just checked the box and said, I get it and we're gonna put it there. But maybe somebody needs to hear this today. We need others more than we realize. More than we realize. You know, it's real easy for us to kind of get out on the island on our own, right? You know, self-sufficient, make our own way forge our own path, that independent spirit that is so often kind of ingrained into us in our culture. But we need others more than we realize. In times of trouble, but in times of joy, in times of discouragement to be encouragement and encouraged, in times of loneliness to find community, in times where we find ourselves, what is the next step to have someone speak into our lives? We need others a whole lot more than we realize. None of us are as independent as we really think we are. And if you have never committed yourself to just a particular body of believers, you've never really got yourself pressed into this idea of being connected in a community, the church, a local church, even if that means going through some painful times and dealing with difficult times and relationships, even if all that is part of it, I don't think you're ever going to have the in-depth relationships that you were really created for. Now, I'm saying all of this into a camera with you watching online, and maybe you're sitting in your house watching it alone, and you're saying, well, how does that work? Well, we've been thinking a lot about that too. It's one of the reasons why this series is so important to us. Last week, you uh, heard and, and, and probably have been hearing more and more about this idea that we want to, even through digital formats, connect with you in small groups, in community. 
In just a second, your campus pastor, AJ, and his team are going to be dropping some links into here because maybe you need one of those small groups. Maybe you need to be in a place where you're finding connection. Maybe the isolation has really stunted you spiritually this past year, and you're just wanting to kickstart all that. But you know that right now in your situation, being in in-person settings isn't for you. So why not join an online group? You can do that by connecting through that card or just saying, hey, I'm interested in that. I promise you somebody's monitoring the chat right now and they would love to connect with you. We already have some doing that. There's a great opportunity for you, even in the midst of all the things our world is encompassed with concerning COVID-19 and shutdowns and everything around that, there's still ways, and I'm so thankful for this, that we can still provoke others to love, gather together and encourage one another. So why not take that step today? Or maybe for some of you, it's to take the very first step and realize the reason why you don't have these in-depth relationships is because you haven't grounded your life in a relationship to Christ. And right now is the perfect time for you to consider the great love that God has for you that he came to die for you on a cross, be buried and risen again so that you could find life. Just exactly what the writer of Hebrews says, this idea of a new start, a high priest, an intercessor for you. And right now God is saying to you, you can turn from your sin and turn to me and find new life. Why not take that step today? There are people right here in the chat that would love to have that conversation with you, pray with you, answer questions for you, connect with you. Because the ground that we're growing in is found in these relationships. And we really need others a whole lot more than we realize. So take those steps today to get connected. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you so much for the truth of your word and for the created world around us that reminds us that we are just really a whole lot better off when there are others around us. As I think about faith and I think about how we live out and flesh out our faith, if we have other people who can uh, speak into our life and express their faith and their hope and, and their love for you and they can continually do that, it can influence and help me grow. And then in turn, then as the body of Christ, we can find ourselves provoking one another on to love by sharing and encouraging and challenging and then gathering together, being connected in community and not isolated so that we can encourage one another. And maybe someone today who's gathered here with us on this digital format is feeling that connection for the very first time, feeling that they're not as alone as they thought they were, or that they really did need others more than they suspected. God, I'm so thankful today that we can connect with one another, maybe from across town or across the world, because of the technology and the resources we have. And be reminded today that we really do need each other. And when we are together, we really are better. Thank you for your word that instruction teaches us. And thank you for how our lives are going to be enriched and changed because of the time we spent together today in that word. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.